Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Wove Inspiration. You're listening to a special Friday night edition. I am your host, Althea Richardson. And as always, this show is sponsored by Anchor.fm. So my special guest tonight is a King author participating in the much anticipated book, I Am a Black Man, Ascension of the Kings. This book is going to make a major difference in the world. And I'm just going to put it out there. And the authors of this book are are real and raw and transparent in sharing their stories. There's a total of eight kings that have participated in this book project. And I have had the privilege of interviewing one of them. His name is Reginald McAlpine also known as Alpine, out of Atlanta, Georgia. He's only going to share just a snippet of his story, but I tell you what, when you listen to what he has to say about our current situation, uh, about a recent article that was put out there by uh, 50 Cent, yeah, I think you need to go ahead and get your ears prepared because this interview was phenomenal. So you guys sit back and enjoy this interview with Mr. Reginald McAlpine, also known as Alpine, on Wove Inspiration. This is the special Friday night edition. Alpine, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Man, thank you for having me out there. I do. I really appreciate it. So who is Alpine? Well, I was born Reginald Andre McAlpine. Um, and when I started playing football, uh, sportscasters had a hard time pronouncing my name. And so they started calling me Alpine as, as little as Muni League. And it was a name that stuck. And so during my high school years, but especially during college and and beyond, a lot of people just started calling me Alpine. So that became a nickname. But like I said, my last name is Mac Alpine. So it's also part of my last name. But uh, I'm a native of Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up in the inner city on 93rd and Huff. Um, during that time, we were in a a quandary in our neighborhood because it was drug infested. Um, my mother was on public assistance. And so a lot of times you know, I fell within the category of that won't make it to 21. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that for me was an outlet was athletics. Uh, I started playing football at a very young age, oftentimes after chagrin of my mother. But when I first started playing, my mother didn't even knew, know. She was adamant that I would not be able to play football. One day I went, in, went up to the football field. I saw him playing and I signed my name and I started playing. And it wasn't until probably the second or third game that my mother realized because she was a working mom. And we were latchkey, uh, turnkey kids. So oftentimes, you know, we would let ourselves in um, when my mom would be coming home later. And so, like I said, it was like third game when she realized other people told her that I was, that I was playing and I was doing well. Mm-hmm. So, and so from that point on, I realized that there is a part of me that believes that hard work 
tenacity, vision, and drive sets the foundation or the tone for who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. My father wasn't in my life when I was growing up. And to compensate for that, I really felt the responsibility to protect my mom, protect my sisters, because I had one older sister, one younger sister. And I really began to develop a level of responsibility at a very early age. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forwarding, I've always been a lover of words. (laughs) The spoken word, the ability to express yourself. Growing up with a household full of women did not afford me an opportunity to really be able to express how I felt. Um, So I turned to my journal or my notepad and began to write as much and as often. I believe that I probably penned my first poem um, when I was in my sixth, when, when I was in the sixth grade. Wow. Um, and so because I, I then went to college, got a undergrad degree, then I got a graduate degree, um, was a tradesman. So I went to the building trades. I'm a brick mason by trade, but my desire to write never It was Mm -hmm. always a passion. It was always a desire. It drove me because it's interesting. You know how we all look to have a voice. Even if you are um, an introvert, Mm -hmm. you do things to be able to express your voice. Yeah. And writing was my way to express my voice um, at the same time without necessarily creating too much vulnerability in that space. Mm-hmm. Because I knew how to create words, I knew how to you know use analogies. I, I knew how to use similes and metaphors to still be able to express my point. Um, but you necessarily wouldn't know if I was talking about me or somebody else. <laughs> so it was also a protective factor as well. So okay. that's who I was. That was my beginning as a as a writer, as an author. Awesome, awesome. And so you have a collection of poems entitled Ramology. Note to Self. Tell me about your book. So Ramology, Note to Self. Um, Ramology is my initials, Reginald R. McAlpine, and Ology is the study of. Um, so Ramology takes an introspective look based on how I see the world, the challenges, the social injustice. Um, who do I believe that we need to be as a diaspora? Um, what does Black love look like to me in the Black community? Um, what are some of the things that we should be doing as it relates to building wealth? How do we set the foundations of building wealth? Um, it deals with fatherlessness and the the need to have fathers present in the home. Now, idealistically, I would like to have a father in a home in a loving, nurturing environment where um, our black children can see uh, male and female in a home working in concert with each other. Um, but at the end of the day, unfortunately, based on statistics being over 50%, that is not the reality for more than half of the United States citizens. So I believe that another alternative is to understand the value of having fathers involved in the lives of their ch- children, not just from an economic perspective, but from a presence, from an emotional yeah. standpoint, from the idea of being able to capture those moments that mean so much to kids because it says a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I was fortunate enough to interview your wife, Lisa, 
McAlpine last year. She was uh, a part of, and still is, the part of the I Am a Black Woman movement, as Dr. Mm-hmm. Carolyn says. Um, and it is it was a uh, correlation of different stories of individuals that went through a lot of certain things in their life and everything, but it is also a way of letting women, Black women, know that even though they went through their situations and circumstances, they are able to become very successful and move forward in life. And so here I am tonight being able to interview the husband of Lisa McAlpine, who is also participating in the I Am a Black Man Ascension of the Kings. How did you get involved in this project? Well, it's interesting. Like you said, my wife was part of I'm a Black Woman, uh, and I got a chance to read her story, help her work with her story. And I really thought that it is important um, for women to be able to tell their stories, to be able to understand um, how struggles are not just isolated to one person, but that there is a strand of struggles or challenges with your CEO, if you're in corporate space. Uh, if you're a single mother, that impacts you as a woman. Well, the, ch- the same is true for men. Mm-hmm. There are challenges that men face, especially as, as it relates to being a black man in the United States with our current racial divide or climate right now. We understand that there are over-policing. Um, there are high levels of criminalization of black men, uh, high levels of killing unarmed black men, um, challenges with if you understand the Willie Lynch story, it talks mm-hmm. about how to turn around and control a population is you create enmity between the husband and the wife or the male and the female. Mm-hmm. And you then create an environment where it's conducive for the female because the female will always give you the offspring because the offspring typically will always be with the female. And if you make it appear like the male is unable to provide then you could continue to, to build that divide between the two. And so I think that I'm a black man, ascension of the king, um, is the reverse side of the coin, impenetrable wall that the propaganda or stereotypes won't be able to, to tear down as it relates to the male-female relationship. So it's almost like it's at the point where you, if I could just say, it's like peeping game. When somebody continues to do something to you at your detriment, you begin to pay attention to how they move and you change your tempo. And in changing your tempo, you cause them to have to respond to you differently. And so I believe that when men and women, if you if you go back to you know ISIS and Assar and Aset, you understand the duality of humanity, that there is not a higher hierarchy, but there is a you bring this part of me, you know, I bring this part of you, we put them both together and we create balance or wholeness. And that is what the relationship should be with us and I'm speaking it's true for everybody but I'm speaking specifically um, to black and brown people because in the United States there is a concerted effort to undermine that relationship and we need to be um, vigilant and making sure that that doesn't happen so I, I was honored to be able to be part of I'm a black man extension of the king it is an anthology it chronicles eight men's story as it relates to being black men in America. We cover sexual assault within the black male space. 
we we cover the challenges of entrepreneurships or being CEOs, um, fatherlessness, relational issues, mental health uh, as black men. So we began to to deal with a large range of challenges in hopes to uh, encourage other men that they're not the only one and that we can then begin to come together and start having the dialogue that's necessary to develop healing amongst ourselves as men. And then um, those conversations that uh, kind of like heals the relationships between um, males and females of our diocese. So one of the things that I was fortunate enough to be able to participate in is interviewing two of the other kings and they shared their stories of um, sexual uh, molestation at a younger age. And what really touched me about them sharing their story is the fact that they shared their story. It is uh, very uncommon for men, for men, period, to want to share their story, to even want to talk about anything having to do with their past. And so the fact that they were able to open up and share was phenomenal and so is that do you think that's the common theme for this particular book for men to actually share their story a lot of men don't talk (laughs) they don't want to talk about their past or things that they've experienced and so for these men to and for you guys for you to share your story and be vulnerable is that the, the was that the common goal for this particular book that men can be open and and vulnerable and sharing their their past? Well, I think that that is definitely part of it. I believe that if we continue to hold our voice or hold our challenges in, we isolate ourselves, and oftentimes we limit the amount of healing or the expediency of healing Mm -hmm. because we're trying to cope with it or deal with it with just our faculties. But when you're able to express it, when you're able to articulate it, what you begin to do is you begin to build or develop, you know, groups, group dynamics, coalition of individuals, like-minded people or people who have like-minded struggles. And you begin to lean support uh, and encourage each other to move past that point, to go through your healing points, to create best practices in that particular space, which then brings about healing uh, Mm -hmm. and not just masking. I spent years masking um, my challenges with um, sexual assault. So one of the things that took place in my life, just real briefly, is that um, my mother had babysitters that oftentimes watched us. Um, And they were female babysitters. And, um, you know, there were several occasions where the babysitter was inappropriate, but it's interesting how you have some stories. You listen to Tyler Perry's story. He was sexually assaulted and it kind of like made him a recluse or withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have Charlemagne the God who went through the same thing and it opened up an appetite for him, right. you know what I'm saying? Or interest or an awakening. And for me, it was an awakening, but it was an awakening that was largely um, immature, short-sighted and selfish. Okay. And so then you pair that with the idea of having it at a young age, not having a father figure in a home to navigate appropriate 
um, male and female relationships. And now I have the streets to tell me or that begin to instruct me how to navigate the landscape as it relates to my desire. Mm-hmm. And the streets very seldomly give you wisdom in dealing with it. It oftentimes comes from the perspective, once again, a uh, lot of people who were in my neighborhood were wounded. Mm-hmm. So wounded people oftentimes wound other people or create or have a belief system that is a wounded um, style of operation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what I found myself to be doing is doing more medicating um, and self-pleasuring um, at the expense of other people. Mm-hmm. And so, and what the way that it always works with an individual, I know for women, there is either if there's uh, child abuse, child sexual abuse at a young age, it's either the extreme left where they, they don't want to deal with men at all, or the extreme right where they, that's, they're looking for that, that love in all the wrong places and they'll do whatever it is that they need to do to, to make it happen and, and have a relationship. And then you have the man that has went through uh, sexual abuse of some sort. And you have these two people trying to either one's trying to find love and the other one is trying to uh, get love. There's this constant clash going back and forth. And so there's a lot of stuff that happens in, in the relationship that, it basically you got hurt people hurting each other. And so it's, it's really um, impactful that this book, that this book goes out because of the, the side of the man. And then we have the side of the woman. I'm a black woman next level coming out. This is definitely what Dr. Stevens has always been saying. This is definitely a movement. Do you see that? I definitely see that. And I think that what happens today, it takes you out of the idea of just being politically correct. Yeah. Uh, Creating the facade, creating the image. And what it does is that it unveils some of the real struggles and challenges um, that men go through um, and how it impacts how they relate to females, how it relates to themselves. I think that it also underscores the need of us looking for assistance in managing and dealing with challenges that we face uh, in a black community, going to psychiatrists or uh, psychologists is very taboo. It is mm-hmm. a stigma that is associated with it, but it is part of healing. And we really need to understand that we need to uh, change our belief system. I would rather deal with the stigma and be whole. Yeah. Then not to have the stigma and be fragmented and broken. Because unfortunately, in that particular state, I'm not any good to myself nor others. Right. And so we need to begin to push. So I think that the ascension of the king, being able to have men express themselves, you know, it tears down that veil. So it pushes us forward to really look for resolution, really look for answers, really look for other men who've been struggling with the same things, who had want to try to mask it just like we, but because we are able to open up and express, it causes them to be able to open up and express. So now we can start having these real dialogues. We can start dealing with these real challenges. We can start dealing with the ideas of how we relate to each other as males, as well as how we relate to each other as mates. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that is very important. Yeah, definitely. And 
in regards to relationships, um, I came across an article on uh, YouTube, or not YouTube, on Yahoo. Um, and it was an article about 50 Cent. And he apparently was being interviewed by Lil Wayne on his show. And the question, or the thing that he was talking about was Black women being angry. He don't like Black women. Black women are angry. <laughs> and he prefers uh, exotic women. So, I, you know, of course, when I shared that post, it was a whole lot of black folks that were angry, black women That's... that were really angry about that because it's like, how, how dare you, you know, first of all, you know, just put us down like that. Really? For real? But now I, I had to take a step back and look at it from the perspective, well, what kind of environment did he, was he raised in? Um, what type of relationship did he have with his own mom? And is right. that all that he saw? For right. him to just can't come down to that perspective. So, what did you actually get to see that particular article? I, I, yep, I saw the article and I read it. Okay. Um, in its entirety. And so, here's my thought process. And I think it is very important. Um, everything is true of something. Yeah. And so, we can either judge it hard, right? How can you say anything about Black women disparaging, you know, or you know, you can always have conversations that build them up to that encourage them, especially in this current landscape. I am a person, I am an Umar Johnson believer in the sense that the greatest respect you can show to your diaspora is to marry and create a life with a person of your diaspora, a black woman. Now, listen, mm -hmm. in saying that, I am not against interracial relationships. I'm not against interracial marriages. I understand the dynamics of love and that we, can always, we can't always choose who we love. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. But that still doesn't change the idea of what I believe because what they understand the struggle differently because they're part of it. Right. They understand some of the dynamics differently because they're part of it. So now, so let, let, me, let me go back by saying, like, if the conversation, I know that... Um, Serena Williams, you know, made a comment as it relates to um, dating black men and white men. And she stated, hey, uh, it's just a fact that I've tried black men. White men treat me better. Um, and so, and it could be a lot of different things. My, my sister, Darshelle McAlpine, has in her book, Leaping With My Barbos, about a person's picker uh, and how sometimes your picker could be off. Based on the service that you deal with, you have a you have but a small sample of a black population or a black woman's population. And if you are always picking these type of people and you get this type of result from them, you may have a negative impression of black women. And so at the end of the day, you have to deal with that impression. You got to deal with that that small sample for yourself. But there are many men who have loving, kind um, genuine relationship with black women all the time. Mm -hmm. There is not a blanket. Every black woman is angry, nor is every black man a deadbeat dad. Yeah. And because, and if you have a preference, you know, what I would have liked to see him say is it's been my experience. Right. Because now that that creates a, a window and I can't take his experience away from him mm -hmm. because it's his experience. And so, so we don't want to get to the point where now we, we're, we're censoring how a person expresses themselves 
because of what their reality is, that's the tenets of writing. That's the tenets of expression. But at the same time, bro, don't try to act like all sisters are like this because they're not. Don't try to create a black eye as if exotic women ain't like that. Because you've got exotic women who have some of the same tendencies, some of the same thought processes and ideas. Now, what I do believe, um, and I'll give you the short version, what I do believe is that there's a, that black people in America really is not really are not connected to their heritage. Mm-hmm. They're really not connected to who they really are. And they have to, they had to have navigated this landscape of slavery, of Jim Crow, uh, of um, reconstruction of um, sharecropping. We, they had to navigate all of these things and learn how to create a tough skin to be able to manage through these particular spaces. And so in that, you can't take that away from them because we start to teach the stories. You know what I'm saying? Even if you had a buck and he was designed to you know, impregnate, the mother had to instruct the daughter on not to become emotionally connected because he's going to be on to the next plantation. Yeah, just like the male was had had to be taught not to be emotionally connected. There were points and times where um, the buck was required to mate with his mother, mm-hmm. so that he could produce another. So, so it was a process that they were only interested in what he was able to produce. They cared nothing about his emotional state. They cared nothing about his mental state. They cared nothing about what what families had to do to make it in that space. Their expectation was only that you make it. Yeah. Because we need this product created. These impacts are lasting impacts that you have to, that you have to, that was wound, that you have to begin to unwind. Yeah. And until you're able to unwind them in their totality, and what I'm saying, it doesn't change it, is how do we come to grips with it? How do we get a, a certain level of, um, how do we create a reality for ourselves that doesn't keep us stuck in that place? Yeah, but allows us enough freedom um, to be able to move forward in how we deal with our relationships right now, um, because there is a, a lot of self hate still taking place, mm-hmm. and and I believe that when I heard Fifty's comment, that was a self hate comment. Yeah, that definitely, <laughs> it definitely was. One of my questions I def I want to um ask with the senseless murders of George Floyd. Breonna Taylor and uh, countless others and the anger that every black man or woman has is valid. What do you believe we can do to work towards eradicating this kind of behavior from these police officers or the, the systematic, the racial systematic uh, stuff that we're experiencing, what can we do as Black people to make changes? All right, so I'm going to be very, very candid. Okay. Uh, I believe in what's taking place in our young adults moving, marching, protesting, and on multiple levels, whether it's um, on civil disobedience, whether it's um, escalated behavior, because at some point there is a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And when you hit that breaking point, it is like you pushed me too far. Right. And I will respond sometimes rationally, sometimes irrationally, but you will get a response. And I believe that the response is needed and it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I think that after the response takes place, 
then there needs to be a level of mobilization. All right. Who, who are we? What do we have? Or what do we provide that can cause them to come to the table and deal with us after we have created a black agenda or expectations that we have as it relates to citizens within our borders, yeah. within these borders. Once we've created that, then we still need to understand who we are. It's like, um, what was the, Kyrie Irving made a comment about um, blacks getting together and creating their own NBA team, I mean, league. And you had a lot of people, blacks included, that felt like that was an extreme thought. Why? Mm -hmm. Because right now, Caucasians have already set the foundations where blacks, which make up over 70% of the NBA, are comfortable in getting these large dollar contracts. And if we create our own, we may lose money because now we have to go through the growing pains of establishing <laughs> an organization like the NBA did. Mm -hmm. But we're more profitable as a culture to take less now and come out of their system and then create our own system and go through the hard work of developing and building it till we get back to that point. Now we own it. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges that we've had in America to me personally is integration. During segregation, we had our own business, our own hospitals, our own fire stations, our own banking institutions, our own schools, our own libraries. You know that. So we were, we were all we had. The buck stopped with us, and we made sure our dollar circulated in our community till it dang near died. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we had to. But what happened during integration was we integrated, and we were willing to use their services, but they wasn't willing to use our services. Yep. So their services continue to grow, continue to expand, and then our services and our business products began to dwindle and diminish. Mm -hmm. So we have to get back to the point where we are supporting Black-owned businesses, we are supporting establishing Black-owned businesses and establishing our own communities. Now because we have the internet, communities don't have to be a fixed place. It could be a concept on how we decide to spend our money within our diaspora to ensure that the dollar still circulates within our business structure until it dies. Yeah. And until yes. we get to that point, and, and, you know, we will have a hard time getting past the idea of what's taking place right now. We also got to push forth reparations. The idea of not paying a person for what they've already provided you when they created reparations or provided reparations for almost every other culture, you have the uh, Native Americans had reparations through reservations. You had the Jews that got reparations for the Holocaust. You got uh, the Japanese got reparations for well, when we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. Mm -hmm. You have um, Arabs that we were already in a uh, relationship with that got they get tax benefits to come in here and create businesses and the Americas don't have to pay taxes. After 10 years, they can roll it over to another relative name and not pay taxes. We have to then begin to create for ourselves those type of, those type of businesses, even at the, at the risk of, if you're in a community and, a, and, and you have an Arab, Arab grocery store or a gas station, y'all put your money together and fund a black one. And y'all continue to support the black one until the Arab one goes out of business. And then you go buy his property 
That's at it. a reduced value and create another in your community. We have to get to the point where we okay with doing that right. and not feel like it's a level of reverse discrimination, you know, or feel like, you know, that's just supremacy or racism, you know, reversed racism. No, it's not. <laughs> it's self-realization. It is actually creating an understanding that it is important for us to learn how to support us. Yes, yes. Yes, this is good. This is good word. So you guys will be launching on this Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern. What do you want your readers to take away from not only reading your story, but reading this book? Um, So one thing that I want people to take away from the book is that is for one time for change. Hmm. It is time to come out of the closet, hiding um, behind, you know, masculine caricatures, believing that um, being stoic. Now don't, there's a difference between being stoic and a unhealthy way. And to be a person who's not just always into your feelings, because I definitely believe that at some point men have to be able to, touch their emotional side, but still operate from masculine because we are protectors. Right. And we have to be at a point where we're comfortable with protecting our families, protecting our wives, and protecting our communities as well. But I want them to understand that we don't have to follow the stereotypes. We don't have to feel like we're isolated and by ourselves. We don't we don't have to deal with the idea that I'm the only one who feels this way or I'm the only one who's going through this. We want to let you know that there's a community of men out here who understands some of the challenges that you're going through and that we're here for you. We're here to help you. We're here to create best practices for you. We're here to support you. We're here to help shoulder the load. You're not in this by yourself. I want women to understand that we are working on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are doing, you know, taking some time and doing some introspection and breaking down some of the walls that were built up in us through um, past tutelage that was inerrant or was not the best for creating a healthy male-female relationship. That we are tearing those down, that we're looking at ourselves and we're improving ourselves, not just for ourselves, but for our queens as well. Yes. This book, oh my goodness, I'm so excited about it. Um, All of the stories that I've heard so far, what you have shared this evening, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is going to be history. I'm saying that I don't care whoever's listening to this, y'all need to remember this interview and be prepared for Sunday July the 12th at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern. You guys need to register for the launching of I Am a Black Man, Ascension of the Kings, because they are on their way. Alpine, this has been a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being able to come on to the show this evening yeah how can people reach you how can people get in contact with you to purchase your book ramology where can people find you all right so real quick um i can be found on facebook at author reginald mcalpine on instagram at alpine three i can also be 
found on Bricks Investment Group. So if you're interested in buying uh, Ramology Note to Self or I Am a Black Man Extension of the Kings, you can go to Bricks Investments Group at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-X-I-N-B-E-S-T-M-E-N-T-S-G-R-O-U-P at gmail.com. Um, also, always want to give a shout out to my lovely wife, Leva Styles. Um, if you, for all of your proofreading or editing needs, she is the person to go to. Um, she edits, edits my books. She edits pretty much everything I put out. Like I'm a visionary. She makes it look good. Um, <laughs> also, want to go out and uh, thank uh, Carolyn Stevens. Um, she is the brainchild behind I Am A Black Man. Yes. Um, you can reach her on Facebook at Carolyn Stevens. And um, the publisher, Darshell McAlpine, Boss Lady Press. Boss Lady, yes. She can be reached at www.bossladypress.com. If you are an author and you need coaching through or you need to be able to publish your book, she is an excellent resource. Also, Level Styles. It's also an excellent resource if you need coaching through creating a book as well. We need to begin to support each other, yes. look out for each other, make sure the dollar circulates within each other. So please, please, please support these black entrepreneurs, these women and men who are doing phenomenal things for the culture. Yes, sir. And all of these links will be on the notes, the show notes on wove inspiration and on this particular show again alpine thank you so much for being on the show tonight no problem listen thank you for having me up there i really had a great time and hats off to you and we'll make sure we continue to support your podcast as well thank you so much this is althea with wove inspirations this is a special edition friday night you guys make sure that you get registered for i am a black man Ascension of the Kings, go on my website uh, on Facebook, which is Wove Inspiration. Get registered, get registered, get registered. You guys have an awesome evening. Take care. God bless. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Wove Inspiration. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you would like to leave a comment or you have any questions about this episode, follow us on social media under Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wove Inspiration. If you are interested in being on the show, you would like to share your story of inspiration, email me at W-O-V-E inspiration at gmail.com and while you're at it subscribe to this channel under spotify google podcast or apple podcast or any other place that you listen to podcasts again this is althea richardson i hope you guys have an awesome evening take care and god bless